wake up with the sun And struggle through the day And every passing moment watch a What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Shamanic Philosophy Podcast, a pseudo-scientific, quasi-philosophical, non-expert discussion platform dedicated to a holistic exploration of the human experience. Shamanic Philosophy isn't just a podcast, but a community. We're a tribe of extended family from around the world who believe that together we have the power to make it a better place. We believe that that change starts within each one of us and spirals out to our relationships and interactions. I'm Adam, and I feel so blessed to be here with you. Today we're stepping out of bounds a bit from our usual field of discussion and getting into some politics for a little bit. You may know my guest as Dees the Liberal from Instagram, a guy who writes a lot on politics and current events, and somebody I've developed a lot of respect for over the last year or so. Um, You may know by now that I'm neither liberal nor conservative by pretty much any definition. Uh, But what I respect about Derek is that although we disagree on plenty of things, We always manage to do so cordially and respectfully. And personally, I think he's probably just got his shit figured out better than most liberals or conservatives that I talk to. Whether we agree on everything or not, he knows why he believes what he believes. And he's actually put some real thought into it, unlike a lot of people taking part in political discussions these days. And that's good enough for me. Uh, It was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun and I learned a lot. I'll probably try to pull him back in on occasion to dig deeper into some specific topics, but this was a great conversation to kick off our first politically-themed podcast. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. I certainly did. So here we go, talking with Dees the Liberal. And um, I'm here with Dees the Liberal. He's a buddy of mine from Instagram and um, came across your page about uh, maybe close to a year ago. I got on about May for the first time. And anybody who listens to the podcast or follows my social media platform knows that I am uh, I'm a fucking alien as far as politics go. I'm, I'm nowhere on the political spectrum in terms of U.S. politics. And it makes it difficult for me sometimes to get into anything conservative or liberal because my views just don't don't line up. And one of the things I've always loved about you is um, you're, you're straightforward. You're a no bullshit guy. And unlike people who affiliate themselves with any part of the spectrum, you can actually defend your viewpoints intelligently and you can do so without just blindly attacking people like a doofus. So, <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> so I, I appreciate that, man. What is, yeah. uh, give me a little bit on you. Like we, this is the first time we've gotten to have a good conversation. We've, we've exchanged a lot of stuff on Instagram, but yeah. What what are you about politically? Where'd you come from politically? You know, even even geographically, that stuff all plays into it. Like, what makes you you? Yeah. Well, um, that's a good question. Um, I guess for me, the the twenty sixteen election was just really eye opening. Like like going into it, I've always voted uh, Democrat, right? Um, uh, I, I grew up internationally, so I spent a lot of time overseas. I, I, I got a, you know, I don't know if that's a broader worldview or, or not. Um, I think but, it, but is. it is, you know, and, and, and maybe it is right. And, and so I, I think, you know, if you have that, maybe you have the benefit of, of not, um, uh, judging people based upon certain characteristics, like, you know, the color of their skin or, uh, you know, their gender or their sexual preferences. I think that's like that. a big part of it. And I, I've, I've always said, too, that, you know, humans are, are creatures of imitation, you yeah. know, and we tend to imitate what we see. And whenever you get to travel the world like that, you see yeah. different ways of doing shit. I think that that gives you a broader perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, uh, I spent some time in uh, Japan. I, I went to um, high school uh, overseas and 
uh, you know, the Japanese society is, is very uh, closed, very tight knit. They're super friendly, uh, but on the surface, right? So you're never really a part uh, of that group. You're, and if you if you think about the word gaijin, which is you know a lot of people commonly know as foreigner, right? It actually has a bit of a an undertone to it of like danger and, and out of place and someone that doesn't belong. Uh, alien. And so, yeah, an alien, right? And and so they treat you like a bit of an oddity there, right? Uh, and so I think growing up in that kind of formative years during high school, being there, being subjected to that, and I don't I don't want to over dramatize it. I'm not trying to say that you know. Uh, you know, I grew up, you know, poor black in the South, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's that's not a fair comparison, right? But but I experienced a little bit of what that might be like, right? Um, and so I think, as far as politically, I'm I'm super liberal uh, socially, right? And and then I think about like politics across a couple of different spectrums, right? So socially, I, I really don't care what you know, people do in their bedroom, right? I don't, I don't care if a, you know, man loves another man and wants to marry that man. A woman loves another woman and wants to marry that woman. I, I think it's ridiculous that that was even a debate. Yeah. Uh, I think the whole thing around, uh, you know, transgender, uh, is ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't imagine somebody being, you know, feeling like they're born into the wrong body, right? Like what a shitty place like, to be born. Oh my God. Like, I mean, talk about being black in the South. Imagine being fucking male in a female body. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, uh, the arguments against it that I see from from the right, from the conservative element uh, in politics is all, well, you know, we need to protect kids and, you know, there's predators in the bathroom and it, it's all just nonsense. When, when you apply logic to it, it just sort of crumbles apart. And and the undertone that I see in all of it is bigotry. Right. Uh, bigotry in some form. Um, whether that's against women, whether that's against transgenders, whether that's against gays, whether that's against somebody based on the color of their skin, their ethnicity, their religion, whatever. It's all just this common thread of bigotry, right? So so socially, I'm really liberal. Um, fiscally, you know, I tend to be kind of moderate, but I look at, and, and I'm a bit of a stats geek and, a, you know, a, a bit of a numbers uh, geek just working in information technology. Um, but I see, uh, like, from, from the Reagan period on, this development in our country of uh, based upon this governance of trickle down economics, right? So we give tax cuts to the rich, and it's all just going to sort of rain down. It all makes like, its way down. Yeah, like mana from heaven, right? And it's going to, and it just hasn't worked, right? <laughs> if you look at like wealth distribution, it's it's um, it's it's upside down, it, and it's it's as bad as it was before uh, the great you know the Great Depression in the 1930s, right? So so something isn't working. We've been doing it for 40 years, and it, it's just not working, right? Um, and and the one thing I, I I would say internationally, it was kind of the other part of it that I disagree with both parties is I'm really non-interventionist, right? Like I just don't think we can export democracy at the you know, business end of a gun, right? It just, you know, that whole nation building and, and that whole concept of what we try to do in Iraq and, and what we're doing in Syria. And, you know, I mean, uh, if you're like me, you know, watching the news, it's probably likely at some point tonight we're going to start firing Tomahawk cruise missiles at Syria. And, you know, what what are we doing? Like, what's the point, right? Mm -hmm. So so if that's what I believe, then I try to say, okay, well, what party, you know, aligns best with that beliefs and neither really do right totally. that's it 
you know, uh, but I sure as heck don't see it out of uh, the Republican Party. Well, let know? me ask you, because this, this, that's one of the, the things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and I've yeah. wanted to talk to you about this for months. I'm so glad we get to have this conversation. But like the whole two party system. Yeah. The fuck, man. Like, have, yeah. is, is there any way that that's going to make sense in a country of 330 million people? It's not, you know, it's not. And, and God, I hope it breaks it breaks itself up a little bit. Right. Because I think there's two wings in the in the Democratic Party. There's a there's a very liberal, you know, socially progressive, economically progressive kind of, you know, left wing of that party. And then there's a sort of moderate, more centrist uh, wing. And, and I think you saw that with Bernie and, and Hillary. Right. in, in the primaries uh, and those two have some really different, you know, beliefs. Very and, different. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think you could almost cleave that party apart into two, you know, pretty sizable parties. And then you could say the same for the Republican Party. You've got this like kind of hyper nationalist uh, wing that I think is has a lot of like just, you know, anger and bigotry running through it that, you know, you could break that out and, and really have that be like the new Dixiecrats, right? From like the you know, 20s and 30s in the South, right? Have you ever met a Dixiecrat like in real life? No. I have. No. Have you? I have, yeah. I was, um, yeah. I was with, with a Hispanic buddy of mine. Imagine yeah. that. And uh, we were in Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, we were out doing some, doing some work out there and we walked into a bar and got to meet us a couple of Dixiecrats that didn't appreciate yeah. my Hispanic buddy being there. And... <laughs> It's uh, it, it's bet. so yeah, true when you talk about there's sort of this thread of Dixiecratism that runs through a certain, at least a certain sect of these of these conservative people, and they have no idea. Yeah. You know yeah. what I think is what what's interesting is like they they have no idea, and I'm not speaking you know for all conservatives obviously, but I mean there there's yeah. a big chunk of them that have no clue how bigoted they really come across. Yeah. And yeah. the interesting thing about um, what I, I read something the other day. And maybe it was about politics, or maybe it applied to something totally different. But no, I think it was John Cleese. It was John Cleese talking about about the about the American political system, or about people in general. And he said, you know, the problem is that you know if you 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 can't appreciate how good of a of a composer Mozart is unless you're an amazing composer. You know, right. you can't appreciate how good of a piano player Beethoven was unless you're a good piano player, and you right. can't understand how horrible you are at guitar. You know, unless you have the guitar skills to understand how horrible you are, you know. Right. And we're in right. that situation, like from a, a social education and like an academic education standpoint, where I think a lot of these people have no fucking clue just how right. they're, they're just, you know, and I've had these these discussions with people, you know, um, that say things like, I don't see race, yeah. you know. And I was raised in a household where, you know, my, my mom, God bless her, I mean, she's like the sweetest, most big-hearted person in the world. And we just weren't yeah. raised, you know, whether you were black, white, brown, or anything in between. Like, it just didn't, it wasn't a factor. And you yeah. were welcome in her home as if you were one of her own kids. And so I was yeah. raised thinking that race wasn't a thing, and I genuinely believed that. Yeah. And, um, you know, dating dating a black girl and being in love with a black girl, you know, I've, I've learned this whole other side of things that's... that's yeah. really helped me understand that it's not, it was race wasn't a thing for me you know yeah. it wasn't in my house and it isn't for for a certain few people but for for people of color and for minorities and for gay people yeah. who are raised in a situation where it's everything it shapes yeah. your worldview it shapes your self perception it it shapes your yeah. your self acceptance and and this is where i think you know when we say the word bigoted i never even understood that word until a couple of years ago 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Because I, yeah. I, if you don't resonate with that, if you don't see yourself as a bigot, then it doesn't make any sense. But to me, bigotry is just like it, it's it's the inability um, uh, to to exercise or express compassion for another person's worldview, for another person's struggles and challenges that they that they go through. And it's it's sort of um, are you familiar with Ben Shapiro at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm a big Ben Shapiro fan. I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that you're probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know. Um, but one of the problems I've got with him is, is this complete lack of compassion for other human beings in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where the bigotry thing has, uh, that has really hit me the last, the last couple of years of trying to look at things differently. And I, I've yeah. gravitated socially left more than I thought I would, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. and that's, that's again, like you said, I think we're seeing a, a two party system that's breaking up from the Bernie and Hillary thing, which was a complete clusterfuck that never should have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. yeah. If, if nothing else, Bernie, Bernie seems like a legit, you know, good dude to me. He seemed like he, he wanted, yeah. he wanted to do good for people. Yeah. Um, he'd have had my vote and had he, had he won, he certainly would have had my vote. What happened? He... What happened there? I don't know. I don't follow this yeah. shit, man. I don't even vote. I, I, I'm against it. Well, um, so, you know, definitely the, the DNC, the establishment, you know, wing of the Democratic Party wanted um, Hillary to win. That's obvious, right? I mean, I think we've seen enough news stories now uh, that credibly back up the fact that uh, the system was tilted in favor of Hillary Clinton, right? Yeah. And, and she was the establishment pick. Um, she was the establishment pick even against Trump. I mean, yeah, she sure. You know, like fivefold in money, right? Like yeah. she had way, she brought way more uh, money to the um, to the table uh, in terms of donations, campaign donations, than Trump did. Um, uh, but I think had it been uh, Bernie and Trump, Bernie would have won, right? Uh, because he he had that grassroots energy behind him that Hillary just didn't didn't have. And look, I mean, I I saw Trump early on for what I think he is, which is a very dangerous very narcissistic uh, man with no empathy, uh, no feelings uh, for anyone other than himself. So I, I'd have voted for like a, you know, <laughs> over Donald Trump. Have you, yeah. uh, are you, are you a Sam Harris fan at all? No. Uh-uh. Okay. No. So Sam Harris is a UCLA neuroscientist. He's one of my heroes. Um, uh-huh. I, I love him and, and he's uh he's a philosopher. He's one of the great philosophers of our day. Yeah. And whenever we get done here today, if no, if nothing else, go check out Jordan Peterson and check out Sam Harris. Um, okay. They've both been all over Rogan. Um, I don't know if you watch Joe okay. Rogan's podcast much, yeah. but uh, yeah. Jordan Peterson's become jo- Peterson is big right now in the philosophical community. He's he's a uh, he's a University of Toronto professor of psychology. Okay, and he got into trouble about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Because in Canada they're passing uh, hate speech laws. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, you can get in trouble for you know it's compelled speech. I mean they're they're forcing you to say certain things. Right. And 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 to be very clear, I mean, I I believed at the bottom of my heart that Jordan Peterson doesn't have a bigoted bone in his body, right? I yeah. believe that he yeah. loves trans people and gay people and black and white sure. and everybody as much as anybody else. But he's called a racist and a transphobe and everything else. Yeah. Be- because he he uh, he's one of the most historically educated human beings I've ever heard in my life, uh-huh. and um, uh-huh. 
he understands that there is a progression to tyranny that, that is real. There's a roadmap to tyranny that can be followed and understood with, with the proper historical education. Right. And when he saw that compelled speech being initiated in Canada, he yeah. said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to refer to a person by right. any, by any word that you tell me I must use. Right. Yeah. If I'm friends yeah. with a person and they prefer to be called G or Jem or Zobi yeah. or whatever pronoun, then right. I'll do that because I want right. to, because I'm a right. courteous person. Anyway, right, but not going to be forced to do not it. Not going to be forced to do it because, he, yeah. you know, and he provides the, the roadmap and he shows you, like, historically, they've done this. They pass laws, then they do this, then they do this, and right. there's a playbook to this. Anyway, uh, I say all this because Peterson and and, um, and Sam Harris, uh, although sort of are, are sort of rivals in the philosophical community in a lot of ways because Sam is much more, um, as I would say, a left-brain material empiricist yeah. type type of dude. And yeah. Peter Peterson is much more on the balance of understanding masculine and feminine principles and, and the compassion versus the you know self-regard and stuff. But uh, yeah. uh, Sam Harris said something about Trump that I wanted to read to you because I, I love it. And uh, he's, <laughs> I'll do my best deadpan Sam, Sam Harris impression when I do this. Yeah. But he says, yeah. there is never a moment when I find Trump persuasive. When I look at him, I see a man without any inner life. I see the most superficial person on earth. Yeah. This is a guy who has been totally hollowed out by greed and self-regard and delusion. Yeah. And that's what you just described. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a perfect description for him. I, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if he's even aware of other people around that him. they exist. Um, yeah. Are they simply figments in his mind, figments of his imagination? I, you know, and, and it's dangerous, you know, people like that because they're going to surround themselves with sycophants, yes men, you know, yes women that they're going to tell him what he wants to hear, uh, and you know, they're he's gotten rid of a lot of the adults in the room. If you look at the, um, he drained the swamp, bro. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he drained it of any responsibility. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a free for all, man. It's beyond. I, I'll be honest, yeah. man. Um, so I'm, you know. I'm kind of a wacko in a lot of ways politically, and I, and I really I didn't know I didn't know what to think of this Trump thing when it was happening, you know, in yeah. the, when, when the in the lead up to this, and I just thought, yeah. here's are you a Game of Thrones guy? You don't strike me as a yeah. Game of Thrones guy. Are you really? Yeah, watch it for a bit, but you yeah, seem like you're way above bit. that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're way too mature for that shit. Um, <laughs> you wear collared shirts, man. Um, <laughs> I I just you know they. Um, in, in in Game of Thrones, you know, they've got all these families that are always feuding, and it's the same yeah. cycle that repeats itself, and yeah. this whole hierarchical system that's in place, yeah. and uh, along comes this little girl with some dragons, and she says, you know, I'm not here to, um, you know, to, to, to stop the wheel, I'm here to break the wheel. Right. And I right. thought, I thought, Trump... I don't know him. I don't know anything about yeah. him because why would I? I? I don't watch reality TV, and you know, and I, yeah. I'm not into narcissistic billionaires. Um, right. But I thought, fuck, if nothing else, he's the first guy to come along and fund himself and get elected, and you know, maybe he has his own greedy, uh, self-serving ends, but maybe yeah. he's going to accidentally break the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I don't see it that happening. Of. Uh, a buddy of mine told me early on, he said, man, Trump is the insider's insider. And I was like, man, I don't think so. I think he's going to I think he's, yeah. he's going to accidentally fuck things up enough that, that they're going to start working again. You know, it's kind of like shocking yeah. a heart back to life. 
You yeah. know, there's not a whole yeah. lot of precision in that science, you know? It's just de yeah. deliver a massive shock to the organ and it starts working. Right. right. <sighs> no. Yeah, I don't see it. I know? don't I mean, see he, it happening. He's governed like a like a typical Republican, right? And, and it's been su supply-side economics, you know, tax cuts for, for folks that just frankly don't need it and, you know, cuts to vital programs and, um, you know... It, and you have all of that. Yeah, but you had that during the George Bush years. You had that during uh, the Ronald Reagan years too. But but at least in those years, what you had was some sort of dignity. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, you didn't have tweets at three o'clock in the morning. That, the tweets you know, are my favorite, though, man. Well, no, I can't even say that with a straight face. They were in the well, beginning. Yeah, no, I I mean, in fairness, I a hundred percent, one. You'd be out of work if Trump shut down his Twitter account, bro. Your Instagram I, you know, page would fucking go away. It would go away. It would dissolve in a matter of days. Yeah, I mean, he is comedy brilliance. Like one of the one of the people that follows me on there, um, and I, I won't. He, he prefers to remain anonymous, so I won't, uh, you know, mention his name. But he's a very successful uh, stand-up comedian, and uh, he he assumes this persona uh, on my page or on his page, and he frequently comments uh, uh, on mine. And he said that you know, Trump is bar none, uh, the greatest gift to, to comedians that has come along in American politics, you know, ever, right? Because oh, yeah. he's so unintentionally comedic because he's constantly <laughs> in this rage-filled, uh, obsessive narcissism that just is unrelenting. And, and you know, it's funny, uh, um, in terms of, like, personalities, it's a, a quick story. So I, I, I knew somebody that actually met. It was a girl that... Uh, uh, that I knew, you know, quite some time ago, but, um, she was in teaching and she actually met, uh, Bill Clinton, right? So she was on a reception line, greeting line, and she was an attractive gal and he immediately like gravitated oh, yeah. towards, uh, and he, and she told me, so like, I can 100% understand the stories that I hear about Bill Clinton with women because he had that sort of magnetism, right? Like, you know, I've heard you that just, about him Even yeah, from like men. He, yeah, he enters the room and it's like people are just drawn to him magnetically. And I think in my mind, Trump is like the opposite of that. Like if, if Clinton is the sun, right, you know, Trump's like a black hole. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> right? like, you know, um, it's like if my girlfriend sees a mouse in the room, she is automatically like on the opposite side of the house on the roof. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I feel yeah. like if Trump walked into a room, like every did, did you see that video? I think I tagged you in that video on Instagram where like there was a classroom, yeah. That, yeah. like a kindergarten class that Trump walked yeah, into, kids. and the kids all shit themselves <laughs> and start screaming. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean, because he's just this bully, and 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 uh, he, he has that sort of you know hyper aggressive uh, you know personality trait, and everybody and all the stories that come out, they're they're fascinating stories, but the, the, all these stories that come out. Uh, the White House that say that it's just such a toxic work environment. Like he is such a toxic human being that working around him is like working around, you know, radioactive material, right? Like after a while, you just get cancer. Just my, uh, my, my girlfriend has a, a saying she got somewhere that I love and it's been applied so many times in my life. And she says, authenticity is magnetic. Yeah. So if, if, if he's the opposite of authenticity, yeah. he, you know, then he's like a walking repellent. Yeah. To other yeah. human beings. And I, I can't imagine yeah. being immersed in that. Talk about oh, a toxic God. work environment every single day. I can't. I mean, you know, in, in I think he manages to be successful because, 
he's he's just willing to operate in, in without any regard to consequence. He seems to have no sense of causality in his actions. That's you know? that, that, that's the part that scares me, man. Because th- at at a point, I've got to you know ask myself like, is he is he doing this stuff with any awareness of any consequences? And then if he's not aware of any consequences, it it, it can't be out of a, a total lack of access to that knowledge. And then it yeah. then it's like, no, he's doing it out of uh, a complete irreverence for the consequences. And then it's like, what does he know that we don't? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I had a um, conversation with a guy the other day, and I'm not saying that I, I subscribe to this belief. In fact, I, I told him outright that I, I don't. But, I mean, it's almost like... You know, he said that that we're being primed for an invasion by Russia or something like that. Yeah. And it's like yeah. we almost got to go like, what else could it be? Because if, yeah. it, if we see what's going on, it's a total shit show. And yeah. he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. How is yeah, that possible? It, I, I have no idea. It's 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 unreal. It's it's unlike any other human being that I've ever, you know, seen. Now, I've never met him. I, I only know him. Yeah, sure. Two through the you know persona the character you know that he that he that he plays right oh, that's him uh, that's him man that's he's yeah, become that character it, it's yeah i think he is he's 100 percent that you know uh that individual but yeah i don't think he i think he operates in a way without any regard to consequence whatsoever he's totally me focused uh it, it, it like he's like a shark yeah and you know i think it's like a shark if the shark stops swimming it drowns you know, if he stops, like, you know, focusing on himself and, and what this means for himself and, and how does this impact himself, then, like, you know, he has nothing else. Right. And now what I will give him, like, credit for is he's probably one of the most brilliant marketeers mm-hmm. and showmen ever. Right. Like he, you know, could be a cult leader. And, and, and in a way, he kind of is. He kind of is, leader. you know, and um, there's another guy. Uh, named Scott Adams, and mm-hmm. Scott Adams is the creator of Dilbert, the comic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, very, very smart guy, and he's a trained hypnotherapist. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I guess you you could call him like a political philosopher or or, or something like that. I mean, the guy is really yeah. pretty impressive intellectually. Yeah. And he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's been on Sam Harris's podcast. Now, Sam Harris, yeah. you know, again, this this neuroscientist philosopher guy that I like so much, he's a, a very anti-Trump, you know, um, and I think you'd really appreciate 98, at least 98% of what, what he says yeah. and talks about on his podcast. Uh, but he, he had Scott Adams on, and, and they went head-to-head. Scott Adams is a, uh, is a Trump supporter. Uh-huh. And I, I had to hear it because I'm like, how does someone with this level of intelligence who's actually a sincere person, because you can be as smart as you want. If you want to be insincere, you can support anybody. Sure. But Scott Adams has always struck me as a sincere dude, but his take on Trump is absolutely fascinating. And I encourage you to go check it out because uh, he left Sam Harris confused at the end of the podcast. Sam's like, I'm still not totally sure how we even disagree. You know, it's like this guy's a hypnotherapist. I'm not sure if he put me under or what, but he's like, we talked for three hours and I still can't nail down why we disagree. But he's so pro Trump and I'm so anti Trump. And the the talk was so fascinating from a psychological analytic standpoint. But what Scott Adams seems to talk about is, you know, uh, regardless of the policy and all that, because he has his own views that I'm, I'm not really equipped to express properly, but. He's like what you just said. He's a marketeer, and he's like this guy knows yeah. how to get shit done. Yeah. And you can walk into a room, and and you, you just use these um, 
short little words and short phrases that are power phrases that encourage people that get people around them. And it's the cult leader thing like you're talking about. And I'm not telling I'm not saying that anyone here who voted for Trump is in a cult. And I'm not saying that you're not, but, (laughs) but the, uh, you know, when, when, when you look at the way that he presents himself, um, and again, Scott Adams being a trained hypnotherapist, he said, you know, like it or not, as a hypnotherapist, I know how to get inside your mind. That's what a hypnotherapist yeah. does. And yeah. he's like, Trump gets it way more than any of you guys realize. You yeah. know, it's hard. It's hard for maybe for you and I to sit here and say, well, you know, because at first I was thinking, well, like he's playing chess, not checkers. And then I, I started paying attention and I'm like, no, he's behaving like a like a like an angry toddler with a Twitter account. Yeah. But according to Scott Adams, the reality is. You know, he may he may just have this particular mental configuration that makes him great at being able to manipulate the simpler minded through his yeah. own simple minded sort of mechanisms yeah. or whatever. I don't know. And I think he's also um, a byproduct of some really fortunate uh, tailwinds behind him. Right. Like, I think there's an undercurrent in this country um, where the country is changing. And I, I've written a lot about this and in, in the, the stuff that I put up on my on my site and it's one of the central themes right so you know coming out of the 2008 recession there's a whole you know slice of the country that never really recovered right and mm-hmm. it's that blue collar you know uh, manufacturing base you know the kind of heartland of the country and we're right at this tipping point uh, as a country where we're becoming more urban than we are rural right in yep. terms of where population is centered we're becoming browner than we are whiter we're becoming you know more atheist and agnostic and you know uh not anti-religious but maybe just you know apathetic to it than we are you know christian protestant right so we're right at this sort of inflection point and i think there's a lot of people this is only my opinion right uh for whatever it's worth but but i think there's a lot of people very angry about a changing of the guard about a changing of, of a power structure in this country from a traditional, um, you know, uh, white male patriarchy into this new what we're going to be. And, and I personally think everything's going to be fine. I, I, I'm not one that's fearful of this sort of dystopian future when we're a browner America than, than we are a whiter America. I, I think everything is going to be fine. But I think there's a large percentage of the population that doesn't believe that. And here comes Trump more than willing to scapegoat you know mexicans are rapists and carry drugs and crime and you know willing to say all muslims are terrorists and willing to say a lot of really controversial things that um they wanted to hear you know these i didn't really think about it that way yeah no that's a good that's a good point because you're right i mean even me as a white male being you know pretty i think i could think of myself as pretty open-minded and a pretty positive guy and Um, you know, I care about everybody and, and, uh, I certainly don't consider myself a bigot or a racist or anything else, but I've, even I have picked up and sometimes am perturbed by a lot of the, um, I guess the, what what I feel like is sort of a, an, an unequal tolerance for, you know, racial slurs and stuff like that. Like, it seems like it's an okay time to attack the white male, you know, it's, it it is. And I, I don't, I don't for one minute, and it's hard to even say that. Um, yeah. Without being taken out of context, you know, because in the same breath, I'm I'm the first one to say that we are built on an oppressive white male patriarchy. Right. No question right. about it. But 
um, again, this goes back to you know maybe my my upbringing by my by my mom yeah. of of this sort of we all just need to love each other and get along thing, yeah. you know, and it's sort of a sort of a utopian thing, but yeah. you know I it goes back into sort of this Jordan Peterson philosophy, which is why I was so attracted to him when I found him a year and a half ago, is this idea of individual responsibility. Yeah. Um, this idea that if we, if we, all of us woke up one day and decided to become tolerant and become open-minded and become compassionate, yeah. that, that the world's problems would work themselves out pretty quickly. Sure, and sure. So when I see people, you know, uh, especially on social media, it became a real burden for me to deal with for a while because I would just see these pages that had two or 300,000 followers make a yeah. post and you've got three or 4,000 comments in there and it's just everyone's bashing white, especially white men, you know, and, right. and, and talking about white privilege and saying, you know, these guys were had everything handed to them and this and that. You know, I come from yeah. a family of blue collar entrepreneurs. My dad's an auto mechanic. My, my granddad's yeah. a construction worker. My brother's a steel worker. And yeah. we've all, you know, we're all entrepreneurs that started our own business at some point and, and worked uh -huh. our asses off to have anything that we do have. And it certainly wasn't yeah. handed to us. Um, but it's it's uh it's it's very short sighted to to say all that and then not also say that you know I I didn't have to face some of the challenges that I would have had right. I been born of of a different skin type or whatever um, cool. and so I guess that sort of the, the the racial thing I think you're right I mean the everybody panicked when they sensed that things were changing. Yeah. And and Trump, like he said, he kind of rode in on that wave and said, have no fear. I'll fuck this yeah. whole thing up for everybody. And right. <laughs> right. He did just that. And I think like for my for me and why I thought this talk would be and has been and will continue to be such a good a, a good discussion is because, you know, we, we don't have to we don't have to be all about attacking one group or another. We don't have to have this yeah. this binary viewpoint. It's it really yeah. it's about thinking for yourself and yeah. thinking critically. And, and analyzing shit on your own and saying, you know, I I, I don't have to be one of 3,000 comments in this and attack people just because right. it, 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 it triggers an emotional reaction. Because at the end of the day, what my view is like, what what is the purpose of everything that we're trying to do? If you're going to uh, yeah. spend two minutes typing out a comment on Instagram, are you just trying to participate in an angry echo chamber? Or right. are you trying to convey a thought that may inspire someone to to look at things differently yeah. um you know and and obviously you're trying to get them to your side of the argument but yeah. uh attacking people is not the best way to do it you know and if you're holding on to an argument hopefully it's for good reason you know yeah and yeah, i, I, I think trump of... fucks that whole thing up a lot he polarizes things so much it makes it difficult to do that yeah yeah he he does right and and, and that's tough because um we have become like so so polarized i think any kind of discussion um between people of different political philosophies is almost impossible right because you know everybody has this like sense of embedded tribalism that you know we have to win uh it's a zero-sum game uh i you know my win is your loss and um you know i in in and, and, and i can't claim any high road right because you know i certainly have a, a left of center you know, political belief, um, and I'm very outspoken, uh, and I can be, you know, rather, I can throw a, a fair amount of snark, uh, right into the Oh, concept. yeah, you're a full-blown asshole at least 25% of the time. Oh, at least, yeah, and that's probably <laughs> generous, you know, 
so so I have to constantly remind myself too because it can get emotional and it, it can get passionate. Like I have to think about like why did I actually start this page and, and what was the intent and what was the purpose of it, right? And and the intent and the purpose of it was to try to get people to care about politics and to get engaged in the political process, right? To to become activists, even if they want to become an activist uh, for the GOP, yep. right? Um, you know, in and, it, and it's tough. You have to continually remind yourself to cool down, to, you know, to become a little dispassionate and to try to, you know, uh, talk uh, to somebody who's a, whose points of view you differ with in a, in a way that's rational. And it, it is very difficult because politics has become this sort of blood sport and, and the media, you know, participates in it. They love it. Right. They love us in these little groups. Right. Because it makes for you know, sensationalism and that sells, you know, advertisements. On well, I CNN. had to turn, um, I guess right around the time of the election, I, I gave it one last go and I, I've got yeah. a, tw- I've got a 12 year old and a seven year old and, um, that, that that's their age now. And I was so blown away by the polarity, uh, between the news networks that yeah. I, I pulled my kids in the living room and I said, all right, guys, we're going to turn on the TV and we're going to watch, we're going to watch Fox news this week. Nothing yeah. but Fox News. And then in a week, we're going to turn on MSNBC or CNN yeah. for a week. And we did this practice for about six weeks. And oh, my, yeah. my, okay. kids, my kids sat in the living room in awe. And you would think that, a, you know, at that time, a six-year-old and an 11-year-old would have, would just yeah. could give a shit, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Even, my, even my six-year-old was just blown away by the, the, the disparity between the presentation of facts and the yeah. conclusions that you draw from them. Because when you start altering facts, I mean, the conclusions yeah. can go haywire. They can go anywhere yeah. they want to go. And right. that, was when, that was when I turned the news off pretty much for good. You know, it was like yeah. at this point, we are, we are being given God knows what level of accuracy in our information. Yeah. And, and, it, and it becomes just a big hate-mongering contest. You know, yeah. and which is what went, really when your page became so, honestly, so important to me. Because it yeah. was, it gave me, it gave me the, the the information, it gave me the humor, it gave me a well presented view, and you know that I don't always agree with you. You know, we've we've yeah. definitely disagreed, but sure. Jesus, being able to disagree with someone cordially, who's ever yeah. heard of that? Especially yeah. in this day and age, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you look at things. Um, so so so, there you go. So Fox News. Yeah. Um, Good News Network, or the Best News Network. <laughs> in my opinion um you know it's funny like um non-prime time right in my opinion fox news is a legitimate news organization so from nine o'clock uh a.m whenever the morning kind of you know fox and friends hour ends up until you know five o'clock when the you know the evening broadcasting uh resumes in my opinion in those hours, it's a legitimate news organization. And really? You can turn, yeah, I think so. Now, the 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 challenge that I believe they have is they blend that line after five o'clock and they go into their opinion. And there's no perception of when did news stop and when did opinion begin? Because when you get into Hannity, when you get into Tucker Carlson, well, that's into, the thing. I I I've had yeah. a long-standing um, Zen blockage with Bill O'Reilly for a long time, and I know he's not yeah. there anymore. But yeah. um, uh, which is which is you know would be fabulous if um if I wasn't confident that they were just going to backfill him with another troll that was just as bad. 
But, yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but it, between he and Hannity, I mean, yeah. they, they fuck with my Zen too much, man. I can't do yeah. it. You know, yeah. I like I like watching Rachel Maddow. Are uh, used yeah. to um, because I just love how how passionately infuriated she gets, and I, I disagree with her ninety percent of the time on on her views. Yeah. But it's yeah. hard to disagree with anybody who hates Trump ninety percent of the time. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> the, the numbers don't. You're a numbers guy. That doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah. I used to just love watching her just get completely exasperated and just being like, I, I can't, I don't yeah. know, you know, exactly. Yeah. No, you have the cadence pretty good there. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> exactly the, what she does. The right? look on her but face. Yeah. I want to take her to coffee. I just want to yeah. have a conversation with her. But you see the same thing on M, you know, MSNBC, right? So that 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 skews uh, and feeds uh, a liberal point of view that that's sort of reaffirming that same you know, that same echo chamber. So I think one of the most dangerous things that Trump has done as president of the United States is start the phenomena of fake news of like uh, not 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 starting fake news because, you know, we had opinion journalism long before. But Trump. creating that mantra to rally around. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we've entered into this like post-truth phase. Right. And in and, and, and in my opinion, there's a danger to that because you don't have a North Star. You don't have anything solid to hold on to. If nothing is fact, then everything, you know, everything is up for grabs, everything's up for grabs, everything is opinion. And, and it's just who shouts the loudest. Right. And, and that just creates this sort of, you know, uh, revolver of um, polarity and anger. And uh, it's, it's, it's just this con- it's a spiral. It's a constant, you know, uh, and probably a, a downward spiral in terms of, you know, our national dialogue and our ability to see eye to eye. Because if you actually go into some of the issues, the left and the right aren't that far apart on a lot of stuff, right? Like what you, you saw this with the gun debate, right? Um, when you actually laid out, you know, what's reasonable, 80% of what the left wants and 80% of the, what the right wants is the same thing. Right. And, and yet you can't have that debate around it because, you know, the far right pulls it so far right. And then the far left, you know, pulls it so far left. Like one thing that John Paul uh, Stevens, the retired um, Supreme Court justice, came out and said, it's time to outlaw the Second Amendment. And I'm like, oh, really? That's like, not a good move. That's not a good move. Right. It's not because even a good thing to say or to think. Right. Because all you're doing is feeding that, you know, kind of paranoia on the fringe of the far right, yeah. you know, that, that feel they need their guns. Well, now they've to- got a meme. Now they've got a meme to uh, to put up, you know. And, exactly. and that's one of the things I've noticed. So, like, I'm a huge Stephen Colbert fan. I've been a huge yeah. Stephen Colbert fan um, for 10, 13, 14 years. I got to meet him. I went to... Um, Oh, cool. went to yeah, a, he's great. oh, he's amazing. I went to one of his shows uh, about a year and a half ago with my girlfriend, and we got sat in the front row. And, oh, nice. and I got a chance to meet him. I just love him to death. But I, I had to I had to turn even him off along with yeah. all the rest of TV because comedy is important, you know. We got to be able to make jokes and be able to laugh about stuff. Again, one of the reasons why I love your page. But yeah. but also what can happen is that you can make jokes about about something that's really important and if you're not careful or I mean, even if you do it intentionally, I mean, you can, you can give people something to rally around that can become really toxic and can really take hold. And it's yeah. like what you're saying, you know, for just someone, we, it, we live in a place where in a place in time where you've just got to be so fucking careful about what you say right. because the polarity right. that's going on and, and, and someone yeah. like that, who um, the, the guy you're talking about who made that comment, it's like, 
you just gave you just fueled the fire so much yep. and, and gave yep. people a meme to rally around and a term that I use a lot on the on the on the podcast and on my platform is building bridges of understanding. Building yeah. bridges of understanding. And that's not a bridge building tactic. You know what no. I mean? And yeah, that's um, a bridge burning tactic. That's a bridge yeah. burning tactic. I mean that's that's yeah. that's burning the bridge in a in a big, big way. Um I'm gonna jump over to some specific stuff that I'm interested in your yeah. take on because I've seen you post stuff about this and, and, and I've already told you multiple times. I mean, I, I just, I just turned the shit off so I don't even follow it. Yeah. But like, uh, let's go stormy Daniels, Russia collusion, um, sure. uh, Russian hookers peeing on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the last one's not, not really that big of a problem in my book, but, uh, um, yeah, I have a problem with it either. I think it's hilarious. No, I keep know. telling my girlfriend it's totally natural. The president does it. Exactly. He did it. Yeah, <laughs> he did it. it. Whatever. Yeah. And, and then he fucked it yeah. up by wanting to throw missiles at Syria. She's like, well, would you throw missiles at Syria? And I'm like, well, no, and she's like, well, I'm not going to pee on you. So anyway, thanks, thanks a lot, all screwed up. Yeah. Um, but the Russia thing. So, yeah. I have seen a lot about like the uranium one thing with Hillary. Um, yeah. So to, to put it out there just because I have to, and we don't need to get yeah. off on this, but like I could see Bernie being a good guy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hillary Clinton, in my book, in as much as, as, as Trump may be a great big empty shell of ego and narcissism, I yeah. mean, she, she strikes me as one of the most evil, toxic, fake human beings in the world. That's, that's yeah. sort of my view. That's your view. Yeah, I think she's a corporatist. You know, yeah. I mean, she, she's a centrist Democrat. Uh, she's a war hawk. Right. Um, uh, she would have perpetuated the 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 same cycle uh, that Trump doesn't seem to be able to break so far, which is this endless cycle of war in the Middle East, which I'm totally against. Right. Yeah. I think it's just a, a you know, we're trading blood for oil. And it's a tremendous waste of time. Uh, but she is the system. She wouldn't have changed that, yeah. right? Um, you know, the system could could have counted on her to perpetuate that. Um, you know, I, I think most of the and again, this is just you know my opinion. Yeah, right? sure. But, uh, most of the uh, conspiracy, you know, there are the theories around that, like the you know the the Benghazi conspiracy, the Uranium One conspiracy. You know, if you really unpack the that, facts, that's what I was going to ask you about was like, you know, measuring yeah. up the like the Trump Russia collusion versus like the Uranium One thing. Right. Yeah. You know, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? It's night and day. Like, I mean, you know, a, a lot of it uh, on my page, some of the comments will be, you know, what I call like uh, what about Right. Which is, well, what, you know, what about this? What about uh, Hillary Clinton's involvement in that? And, and, and I, I, I try to respond. I, I almost said the word attack and I, I, <laughs> uh, I try to respond to it in a way to say, first of all, Hillary Clinton's not relevant anymore. She's a grandmother and a book publisher living in upstate New York, right? She's, uh, she's not running this, you know, cabal of Illuminati, you know, pulling the strings behind the curtains of, of, of power of the power corridors in America. You know, she's a grandmother, right? Um, she had her chance. She blew it. She was not, you know, um, uh, she's not warm, not magnetic, not, you know, not somebody that people could rally behind, not inspirational. Uh, and she paid the price for it and, and lost, you know, lost an election. She should have won, clearly. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. She was running against Donald Trump, who, <laughs> was, who was insulting everybody he could find, right? You know, besides... Uh, 
honestly, besides white men, right? Like he attacked almost every other demographic group in the country. He attacked women, attacked uh, minorities of all stripes, attacked, you know, a, a, a war widows, you know, uh, uh, yeah, the Gold Star families, right? Like just unbelievable, like what what he would do without his filter and, and, and his scripting. But anyway, back, you know, back to your I particularly point. love grabbing women by their pussies. I, I feel like yeah. that was the strongest uh, campaign uh you know uh, yeah. uh thing that came out i feel like that 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 might have that might have cinched the election for him right there yeah, i still yeah, don't understand like, how anything ever happened with him after that came out i don't i don't get it either i've never even me. thought those words in my life and i'm and I, I can be a total a total chauvinistic ass i'm sure with yeah. in, in my in my private time with my guys and i've talked about yeah. this with some of the raunchiest yeah. of my buddies um yeah. who send me memes and stuff that they would never even say out loud you know yeah. what I mean? The guys that are known for the dirty jokes, like the really yeah. bad shit, you know, and yeah. and we're all we all just shook our heads and went, this motherfucker got elected and he said yeah. that and he yeah. thinks that. Yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I'll, I, I'll come back to your, your question in a bit, but if I could just deviate for a second. Sorry, um, man, I, I don't take my Adderall anymore, so I'm hard to keep on track. No, 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 because I, I actually want to go back to that. I, you know, talk about the Russian collusion thing, too, but um so yeah, the gra- the grab by the pussy incident it was mind boggling to me. I think that's just the world he operates in. Those are the kind of women he hangs obviously. out with. Yeah, he can obviously buy. You know, you look at Stormy Daniels, look at the Karen McDougal, right? Beautiful women that uh, have obviously traded their looks for money, right? I mean, let's be honest, right? Stormy Daniels is a, is a porn star, and and Karen McDougal is a playmate of the year, right? They're beautiful women that that know they're beautiful. <laughs> okay, they're not oblivious. They capitalize to that. on that. And they capitalized on it, right? And, and that's the world he lives in, and he buys these women. And I think he looks at women as a, purely a transaction. You know, it's it's about uh, like everything else. Yeah, exactly, right. And so, you know, grabbing by the pussy is just another part for the course. But what did it for me at an emotional level, a like gut level? And this is a meme that I post again and again and again and again and again. I, I'm the father of a special needs child, and uh, when he went up and he. Uh, uh, did that arm movement that, uh, you know, that and, and he was talking about a, a New York Times reporter, Serge Kovaleski, who uh, has a handicap that basically deforms uh, one of his arms. It, it kind of has this sort of crippled uh, look to it. He can't straighten his uh, hand out. Um, he, he, completely functional, brilliant writer in every other regard. He wrote a story um about uh, debunking one of Trump's lies about people in New Jersey, Muslims in New Jersey, cheering the um, the fall of the Twin Towers on 9-11, right? He perpetuated that story as a part of his Muslim bashing, you know, building up to his campaign. Same thing he was doing to Obama with the whole Arthur conspiracy, right? Uh, that stuff that's just right out of Roger Stone's Dirty Tricks playbook. And um, Serge called him on it. Right. And wrote an article uh, in The New York Times, which is, you know, as much as Trump bashes on it, it's, uh, you know, a paper that he really respects uh, and reads because it has a voice of authority. And he said, bullshit, you know, there's no there were no Muslims and, and, uh, uh, you know, gathered by thousands that were cheering for the fall of the buildings in New Jersey. You just made that up uh, to, you know, scapegoat uh, a a population of people because you thought it would be politically expedient to do so. and, it, and he made anyway. So point being, he made fun of him in that instance on stage. And as the father of a special needs child, right? Like, you bullies do that, right? Like, and, and there's just like an empty child bullies. Inside. 
Yeah, like there's not just, grown up bullies. Not like you you would not expect that behavior from your th- you would scold your thirteen. Be, it would be a very very a very poor very uh, an unacceptably ill mannered behavior for an eight year old bully. Um, yeah. As a yeah. teacher, if you saw an eight year old behaving that way, you would you would want to call the parents in and instruct them on how to better parent their child. Yeah, exactly. Right. And this is a 70 year old man doing it. And I and I got to tell you, you know, with the connection that I have as, as, a, as a special needs parent. Right. Like if I were at that rally and he'd have done that, I'm not, I'm not 100 percent sure I wouldn't have rushed the stage. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have gotten to the stage. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not so sure. Like the. the so, so for me, that was the moment where I wasn't going to, now, to be honest, I wasn't going to vote for him anyway, going into that point. Right. They don't say. But, yeah. But <laughs> that's when I knew I'm like, this man is, is, I'm he's gonna, a sociopath. He's a sociopath. He's a complete piece of shit. You know, he's a complete piece of shit. And, um, in my opinion, right. Like he just has no redeeming value. Uh, and that was the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I need to express myself around this. Uh, and, um, you know, I made my page, you know, at that point, pretty political, but I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're good, man. You're good. You're totally good. Like I said, I I stopped taking my Adderall about a year ago after taking it every day for 12 years and uh, trying to keep a fucking conversation going in a linear fashion with me is just, uh, you know, it's somebody, somebody's got to keep it on track because I'm not the one. (laughs) Um, but the, I wanted to, I do want to circle back to the Russian collusion thing because, um, uranium one, I mean, the Benghazi thing is a whole different story. I mean, that's yeah. just too much to get into, I think. But, yeah. um, you know, again, being separated from the media, because like yeah. you said, it got to a point where, you know, what's even true anymore? You know, where where, where do you want to get, which flavor of bullshit do you want? Because it just can't all right. be real. So I just threw in the towel and said, never mind. But right. um, just looking at your page, and, and I've, I've got this really, um, not not so much on my, my podcast page, but on my personal page, uh-huh. which is, um, I hardly use much, but... It's uh-huh. a little more political. My podcast page is a lot more spirituality and philosophy and uh-huh. stuff and science and all that. But on my personal page, I've got a really gnarly feed now uh, and have for the last year or so of, of a lot of right wing and a lot of left wing yeah. uh, pages. So I yeah. get to kind of just sit there and peruse both sides and laugh and shake my head. Yeah. Um, so your take on the uh, and by the way, you're you're on the podcast, not someone else, because you're views tend to be the ones that feel the most balanced to me so okay. that's 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 the nature of that so okay. um that's why i want your opinion on yeah. the in, in brief as much as you want russia sure. collusion and uranium one those two things sure. in particular and you're right i mean it, regardless of what i think of hillary clinton i mean she's not really that relevant on the political stage at least on the front lines anymore so it, what does it matter right like what are we talking about but uh um, yeah. i guess really just for my own edification and any one of my listeners like your view on the uranium one deal what 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 is said about that what do you yeah. think actually happened and then the same yeah. thing as uh you know as the russia collusion thing yeah so so i'm I'm much more versed on the russia collusion thing than i am on uranium run just to be you know fully transparent yeah. and, you know i have i haven't really dug in on uranium one once i just saw it you know kind of debunked a couple of times what i understand about it was you know a canadian company came in and bought uranium one uh, it had to be approved by a, a commission or a panel. Uh, Hillary Clinton sat on that commission or panel, uh, had some influence over that. And then there was also perhaps some campaign contributions that came back after the fact, uh, or maybe some donations through her Clinton Foundation 
that came in um, uh, through uh, uh, after the fact. So there may have been like some pay for play, mm-hmm. right? Um, to now, do you put a pastor? No, no, I don't. Right, and and I think her running that uh, Clinton Foundation is it was stupid. Yeah. You know, as soon as she announced pres- her intention to run for the presidency, the first time, not even the second time, but the first, you remember she ran back in '08, so she should. have I forgot that about that. Yeah, she should have shut that down. They shouldn't have been doing that. It offered up too much opportunity because they're power players, right? They're they're a power couple, and it offered up too many opportunities for foreign governments to come in and try to buy influence, and it just. While, while I don't think the actual facts connect uh, in the in the way of um, nefarious intent, um, it just looked bad. You yeah. know, it looked it made for easy clickbait style journalism on the right to say, you know, we're selling twenty percent of our uranium to Russia. Now, the what debunks that to me is, you know, you could ask a simple question of, well, you know, Russia has their own uranium, right? So, what what do they need twenty percent of our uranium for? Like, what 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 is the, you know, show me the causality of that. And so when I've asked some of those questions of people that, you know, post on, on the, um, on my site, there's really no good answer for that. Yeah. Like, you know, I, uh, I don't have one. I don't know enough about it. Yeah. And but so but it's to like, me, this is just to bring up a little point there that you just made is this is sort of the type of, of, of research or investigative stuff that I, this is where my investigative research happens is when I ask questions, I'll follow the answers, right? So I'll ask a question on my, on my site and get responses from the left, responses to from the right. Yeah. And I'll see which ones, by and large, seem like utter bullshit, yeah. you know? And then you move on to the other ones, and then you start to see a pattern. Well, like, on this particular issue or this question, the, these particular people on the left are all saying things that make a lot more sense, you yeah. know? And then you yeah. follow that line of questioning, and eventually you hit the floor of the issue. You, you get down yeah. to the truth or whatever. And um, whenever you run out of answers that make any sense, that's kind of the end of that thread. And right. so I, right. I, I I never got to the bottom of that rabbit hole with Uranium One. You know? Yeah. Uh, kind of like yeah. you. I kept seeing it would get debunked from over here, and then over yeah. here they would make a lot of good points. And then, you know what I mean? I, and, and eventually I just said, fuck it. This is just more more fake news. Yeah, I mean, is is there something there? I mean, maybe you know, um, but uh, I I don't see what the uh, negative intent is now. Now I could say the same to the Russia collusion, and, and that I am a lot more informed on. At least I'm. Well, informed. talk talk to me about that because I, I'll yeah. give you my my my. Um, I'll expose the depths of my ignorance on that in about ten seconds. Um, basically, there there were some Russian people that paid for ad space on Facebook. Um, yeah. And then there were the back on the back door side. Uh, Trump had lawyers and people that were working with the Russians to help coordinate this during the campaign. That's that's literally yeah. the extent of what I know, if that's anything at all. OK, well, well, so so what I know and, and what I followed and, and I'll start first with everything that's actually been been published. Right. Uh, so it, this is fact as far as we can determine fact to be right. <laughs> it gets back if, if there is such thing as fact at this point. Is exactly so. Um, during the course of Trump's campaign, there has been at least three proven instances of collusion uh, with Russia. Um, one was a a, a junior a staffer that was on Trump's foreign policy team by the name of George Papadopoulos. Uh, he had contacts uh, throughout the course of the campaign as a, a part and parcel of his 
being on Trump's foreign policy team, he had contacts with a um, uh, a professor in London who has been uh, it has been said through our intelligence community um, had contacts in the Kremlin. Right. And was was acting as a front uh, to uh, the Kremlin for some, dis, you know, information that they had on Hillary Clinton that could be disparaging uh, to her campaign. Uh, that was instance number one. Uh, George Papadopoulos is admitted uh, to lying to the FBI. He actually accepted a plea, uh, pled guilty uh, and is now cooperating with uh, Robert Mueller's special counsel. That's your, uh, that's your buddy, right? What's that? That's your buddy, right, Robert Mueller? Oh, oh Robert Mueller, yeah. yeah your big Robert. Exactly. Do you have a Do you have a Robert Mueller jersey hanging up in your closet? I want you to show me your closet right now. I would think, yeah, I probably do. You know, maybe <laughs> I've got like a like a picture of him with some hearts around it or something. You know, yeah, like, like yeah, a, with you superimposed, like, getting a kiss on the cheek or something. I would think exactly. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people Robert are probably Mueller. in that same position though. It's okay, man. Yeah, Robert Mueller fan page or something, but <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so the second instance is that Trump Tower meeting, right? So uh, Paul Manafort, his campaign chairman at the time, uh, Don Jr., uh, and um, uh, the son-in-law. Um, I'm forgetting. Uh, I don't know why. I know, I who, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the son-in-law. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jared Kushner. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Derek Jeter, but yeah, exactly. same syllables, different guy. I, I assume yeah. different guy. They're both from they New York. Took- yeah, they took a meeting with a lawyer. Uh, they knew in advance that that lawyer had uh, contacts with the Kremlin, and they were told that the purpose of the meeting was to receive uh, dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now, both of those instances are violation of campaign finance law, right? So a crime was committed, right? And the campaign finance laws are pretty specific. They state that you can't get material gain, and that material can be information, not just money. Uh, from foreign sources throughout the course of the campaign. So the right thing to do in both of those instances uh, would have been to alert uh, the FBI. And they well, let that. me let me ask you right there. Um, is there an argument to be made from the other side? I don't know about whether or not the definition of material gain really does span out to, you know, intelligence versus money. Is, um, is that an argument that's made or no? Uh, I, mean, it, I mean, or is that pretty well established? It's pretty well established within the within the the definition of camp, the campaign finance laws, right? But um, yeah, I mean, you could certainly make that argument, right? Um, and well, I, uh, I just ask because I assume um, we're dealing with some pretty slimy characters here, and I, I assume that that argument would probably be made if it could be. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that argument is going to be made, right, at some point in time. Um, but uh, and then. Uh, the the other instance was Roger Stone uh, colluding with um, a, a what now has become known as a Russian agent, this Guccifer 2.0, who hacked the DNC emails. Right. So they were having back channel communications through Twitter uh, that, um, you know, uh, gave, set Roger up to advise Trump on the dumping of these DNC emails that created that a lot of the hysteria around uh, what Hillary Clinton did um, in terms of colluding uh, with the DNC and, you know, kind of anointing herself as, uh, you know, the de facto um, uh, appointee of um, uh, or the de facto nominee for the Democratic Party. So so I think those were instances where, um, you know, we had um, pretty clear evidence of collusion. Right. So. One of the things that that uh, I saw uh, Hillary give a speech about um, 
that was really illuminating for me was that within, you know, everybody remembers the Access Hollywood tapes and the grab by the pussy incident, right? What a lot of people don't realize is that within two hours of that incident, the uh, DNC emails, the hacked emails dropped, right? So the wiki, they had the first WikiLeaks drop within two hours of that incident, wow. right? So that to me talks about an obvious coordination between the campaigns. So, well, yeah, it's like if you've ever seen House of Cards with Kevin Spacey, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or that movie uh, or that show, one of my favorite shows, Boss with uh, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. It only went on yeah. for a couple seasons. Do you ever see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you just, it's it's a, it's an amazing behind-the-scenes look at how they coordinate these things. Like, you know, you can have a press conference going on, and in yeah. the middle of the press conference, they release a sex tape or something, and it's the timing, yeah. it says a lot, and it does a lot. Yeah. And there's, yeah, yeah, you don't have those kinds of coincidences that just happen out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and so anyway, so I think that's the evidence of the collusion, right? But, um, you know, and, and then, and then, but what what I've also found interesting in in like writing about it and investigating it, and I you know I don't want to like oversell myself as some sort of investigative report, right? But just writing about it. No, you're a nerd it, with too much time, just like I am. Exactly. Um, is uh, you know um, not really the the collusion, right? First of all, collusion is not a crime, so that was like you know right illuminating for me. Like collusion is actually not a crime. Um, the uh, um, You're good. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, one second. What? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Sorry about that. No, you're uh, good, man. So collusion is not a crime. So collusion is not a crime. Obstruction of justice is obviously a crime. So, so that's what I think. If anything is going to get, uh, you know, come back to Trump, it would probably be that. Uh, you know, the firing uh, of, um, you know, the FBI director. Um, the obvious attempts to try to cover up the nature of that uh, meeting uh, in Trump Tower. Um, those are the attempts to try to, you know, stand in the way or obstruct justice. And that, you know, that could potentially be a crime. I think, you know, Mueller rating uh, his uh, personal longtime personal. I was going to ask you about that next. I mean, what's uh, what are you what's your take on that? And what's that going to do? Leverage. I think it's all just leverage. You know, um, every one of these uh, people that have come under Mueller's thumb, right? Like the um, uh, original, you know, Flynn, right? The, the first national security advisor, uh, Papadopoulos, uh, you know, Gates, who was uh, Paul Manafort's, uh, his campaign chairman's lieutenant. Uh, they've all uh, essentially flipped and are now cooperating uh, with the special prosecution. Um, so they got them through leverage. They said, look, you can either cooperate with this investigation or you can go do five to 10 years in prison, right? What, what choice do you want to have? And, and I think that's what they're going to do with, um, uh, Cohen and Stormy Daniels, right? And they're going to basically say your payment of hush money to Stormy Daniels of $130,000 constitutes, again, a violation of campaign finance laws. I heard they're allowed to give like $5,000 for hush money, which I think is funny that there's any amount of money that's like okay for hush money. It's like, you know what? Okay. If, if you nail a porn star, you can pay her five grand. Like what a pointless fucking law. Like what porn star yeah. is going to be okay with five grand to no. keep her mouth yeah. shut? Like they no. open it for a lot less. Exactly. Yeah. None. So, um, so I think that's what they're going to try to do, right? They're going to try to uh, uh, turn um, uh, Cohen, 
right, uh, against him. And, and, and you can tell by his actions now. Like you know, He's not Trump's happy. Talking. Oh, yeah. He's talking about firing uh, Rosenstein, right, who's basically Mueller's boss, right, at the Department of Justice. Uh, he's openly talking about, you know, Mueller being corrupt and, you know. Um, but all of that is like, it, what, it, just to kind of wrap the point up, right, um, all of that I think is window dressing. What's interesting is why, like why, you know, why would Russia try to um, uh, influence the election? Why would they try to get behind uh, Trump as vigorously as they have? Why is Trump so loath to say anything negative about Vladimir Putin, loath to say anything? You know, why, why did he, you know, not want to acknowledge what the intelligence communities were saying for so long about uh, Russia uh, hacking the election and influencing, you know, votes and the Cambridge Analytics stuff and all the stuff that's come out now. Like, why is he so reluctant to address it? And and I believe there is something there in terms of his finances, his personal finances and his ties back to some very powerful people uh, in Russia. Um, his own sons are on record stating that a lot of the financing to run his businesses has come from uh, Russian interests. Um, well, and, and one of the interesting things that I, I do happen to know, um, just because I'm fascinated with, um, you know, the, the inner workings of business magnates and stuff like that is yeah. um, the way that Russian oligarchy works. You know, you, um, you, you when, when you're dealing, you know, first of all, um, whether or not he's a failed businessman, uh, he is a billionaire. And yeah. when, when you're, when you're, over. Yeah, yeah, when you're working in the billions of dollars with Russian, uh, you know, billionaires, these are yeah. these are guys who know Putin. There's really not a lot of ways around it. There's not a lot of billionaires in our country that don't know the president. But in yeah. Russia, I mean, Putin is an oligarch. He has, you know, yeah. if, if you know much about him, I'm sure you do. But I mean, people. Yeah. I mean, the guy came to power, you know, through an oligarchical system and, and yeah. has always been criticized in Russia by his critics for um, handing out massive contracts funded by taxpayer money to his business buddies. Yeah. You know, yeah. the dude's got it's a very, have you ever seen his country. mansion on the on the uh, I think it's on the Baltic Sea, that that badass mansion. Yeah. I want yeah. a party there so bad. <laughs> yeah. I bet he throws hella sure. parties. I bet it'd be a good time. Yeah, it's like a two. It's like a two billion dollar mansion or something like that. But that's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. it was given yeah. to. It was it was built with taxpayer money um, in secret, um, yeah. and the contracts were given to his business buddies to to build that thing. And that's all. Yeah. That's all pretty well established stuff. But my point there is that um, just to go back to what you're saying. I mean, if Don Jr. and and um, Jared Leto. I mean, Jared Kushner. If they're uh, if they're confessing that that money was coming from Russia. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take much of a leap to to understand that that money would be tied back to Putin and to Putin's cronies. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and I think that's um, so, you know, there's no smoking gun yet. Right. So to, to, to give doubt uh, to or um, to, to give doubt to the uh, credibility of the conspiracy. Right. So this would be the right's position. You know, there's no there there. And, and they're right. There is no smoking gun yet. Right. All there is is this sort of continual series of odd events and odd behaviors. Anytime know, somebody lies, it's out of place, you know. Right. And, and right. like you said, you've already got people confessing on record that they've that they've lied, and it's like if there's no right. there there, then why bother lying? Why bother lying? Why hasn't he shown his tax returns? Why hasn't you know? Uh, why is he so reluctant to criticize Vladimir Putin? Why? 
you know, why isn't he more transparent with his business dealings? Why, you know, if there is nothing there, why is he, you know, raging at Bob Mueller and, and, and threatening to fire Rod Rosenstein? If there's nothing there, why is he acting like this? Even people in the, uh, you know, uh, Republican Party are openly now starting to question, like, if you're innocent, act like you're innocent right like you know why are you acting this way if there's if you're not trying to disguise something so my my, my seven-year-old will uh sometimes go to the kitchen and then he'll come out of the kitchen with his hands behind his back and like sneak with his back up against the wall and like scoot yeah. down the hallway and i'm like what the hell are you doing you know what do you got and then you know it's never that he didn't go in there and get a candy bar Right, right. It's exactly. never that. You know what I mean? If he goes in there and gets a banana or something, he comes walking out with a banana in his hand and he's eating that shit right in front of us. But right, it's when exactly. he gets something he knows he's not supposed to, it's the hands behind the back and he's scooting along the wall. And I feel like that's kind of what, what Trump is doing right now. So what yeah. what do you see happening with this? I mean, I think it's interesting because I'm you know, I'm always connecting dots and it's hard to do when you're staying out of the news as much as I have been for the last year, for the first time in my life, yeah. mind you, you know, I've never stayed yeah. out of the news this much, but, um, yeah. but I like to connect dots. And w when you look at what's going on with the Syria situation right now, and yeah. I'm a big believer that, that, uh, distractions are used as political tactics. Sure. sure. Um, what, do you think there's anything going on there? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, like a uh, wag the dog, right? I mean, it absolutely um, could be used as a, uh, an opportunity to distract the national attention uh, from uh, the Trump Mueller uh, investigation, the Russia investigation. I, I think all of that's going to out. I think it's all going to come out, right? Um, there's too much critical mass, in my opinion, behind it right now for it to not fully out, right? So, in, in, in my prediction is I think Trump's going to fire Rosenstein and he's going to fire Mueller. I, I think we will have. What's the blowback going to be from that? I think it's going to be a full on constitutional crisis. I think there's going to be demonstrations in the streets uh, over it. And, and I don't want to sound alarmist, but, uh, you know, Trump has shown nothing in his personality that would indicate otherwise that he is going to that, go that he's capable of showing better judgment than to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I hope, I hope, I hope that uh, he doesn't on his way out the door, um, you know, uh, call his supporters into, you know, some sort of lather. Right. And, 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 and we reach this, you know, sort of powder keg with, you know, he's sitting there playing with matches over it. Right. And, and, and we have a real incident. Like, look what happened in Charlottesville. Right. Yeah. Now, take take something like that and magnify it a thousand times right uh because there are people on the left that are, that are going to go out in millions maybe even tens of millions into the streets demonstrating uh if um uh if Mueller is fired right uh because they'll think that justice has been asserted and um i i see it happening you know i see it happening and i hope that the republican party it's, and I, I sigh as I say this, but I hope they can find the, the courage to do the right thing at a certain point if he does that and uh, stand him up for impeachment. Because they have, they hold all the power to do that, right? The, the Democrats have no power at all. Uh, is that how that works? Yeah. I mean, it's it got to be his party or what? Or is it just because it's a Republican Congress? 
No, just because it's a Republican Congress, right? So, so they would have all the, you know, control of the Judiciary Committee that would be necessary to start impeachment proceedings, and it would have to go into the Senate and a trial by the Senate. Um, you know, no one is actually, I think it's only one president that's actually been impeached. Uh, Bill Clinton was in, excuse me, that was removed from office due to impeachment, right? Or no president, excuse me. So um, uh, Bill Clinton was impeached, but he was, uh, you know, acquitted uh, by trial in the and Senate. And then Nixon was impeached, but he resigned, right? He was, yeah, exactly. He resigned. Um, so would Trump resign, though? Right. Like if his back is against like he's not like, a quitter, he, bro. He's not a he's quitter. Not, he's not. And, and he's a fire starter. Right. Like he he would go out and he's got a huge platform. Right. He's got, you know, how many tens of millions of followers on Twitter and a couple of strongly worded tweets he could he could literally set the country on fire and that's one of the things that i really worry about and this is know? one of the re- one of the times that i'm 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 proud to be a gun-owning american <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah if nothing for protection of, of hearth and home right yeah, yeah you know i mean people go crazy yeah. man yeah yeah it's unfortunate you know it's it's really unfortunate and i hope it doesn't come to that i pray it doesn't come to that you know uh i hope cooler heads prevail um, but, uh, you know, I could, I could see him, you know, I could, I could definitely see him doing something like that, but, um, I don't think anything, uh, is going to stop the investigation at this point. I, I don't yet know whether or not he will actually be, uh, convicted of anything. I think the, the, the bar for convicting a sitting president is so high, right. Uh, that, you know, he's going to have to be caught red handed, smoking gun in hand. You know, it's just gonna, they're going to have to have him dead rights. And I even with as many people that are now cooperating witnesses with the investigation, I still don't think they would have, you know, the ability to actually criminally prosecute a sitting president. Right. Yeah. Um, so so it will get to the point of, um, you know, can he actually just be removed, uh, forced to resign, somehow impeach something? And we're, I think we're at that point, right? Um, so there's, uh, there's no, there's no out for him the way you see it. It feels like we, like you said, we've got the critical mass going to the point where that's probably, it, it this, this thing is not gonna, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. And I've been wondering like, that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and again, I have no, no investment here. You know, yeah. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm certainly uh, very, I'm, I'm as, I'm as anti-Hillary as I am anti-Trump. Um, yeah. Bernie yeah. seemed like he had his heart in the right place. You know, yeah. I, based on all of his charts and graphs and stuff, I, I question his, um, the application of his logic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. sort of being sure. a, sort of being a free market capitalist myself and, and an entrepreneur right. from a family of entrepreneurs, right. obviously Bernie Sanders is not, um, you know, he's, I'm not yeah. a huge Bernie fan, but if I had to pick between the three, um, I wouldn't have chosen Armageddon or Satan. And, yeah. um, and but, knowing what I know now, I'd I'd have gone full throated for Bernie as well, right? Just because I think he would have won, right? Yeah. And so I think we we meet there in the middle of that road for no other reason to, uh, other than pragmatism. Right? Well, yeah, that and you know, and also, absolutely, and, and and also, you know, whenever whenever I'm at a point in life, and in the last couple of years, I've seen this. Um, in, in a lot of ways, social media has whipped up a lot of bullshit and it's created a lot of division um, yeah. or, or enabled a lot of division. Social media itself doesn't create it, but it's empowered a lot of a lot of division. But yeah. but also what I've seen is is um, 
and I genuinely mean this, and I, I have seen this, I've talked to friends about this, but I've seen a, a sort of a, a, a rising of the consciousness of people, you know, yeah. and pockets of it that have grown together into bigger pockets and entire groups of people who have started to build these bridges of understanding and, um, yeah. you know, people who, uh, even in my own family and, and extended family and people through work, even professional people who a few years ago would have been, you know, super anti-pot, for instance, right. you know. And these yeah. people are starting to see like, hey, they legalized it in several places and people aren't running around like it's reefer madness killing everybody. Right. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. Crazy, yeah. right? Like, it's ridiculous that we, you know, tried to criminalize a plan. So, so if we certain. didn't have if we didn't have who we have in place and yeah. and you and I were to sit down and, and, and try to map out some policies that we met in the middle on, yeah. um, you know, I would think that uh, our stance on cannabis is probably similar. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say 100. percent Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would 100 percent legalize all of it. Honestly, I, I think, um, you know, uh, all we're doing is is creating this like feedback loop of uh, addiction to criminalization to incarceration to addiction to criminalization to incarceration, and it's just uh, you know this repetitive cycle. So you're not a big that, fan of the uh, the prison industrial complex either. Oh, God, no, no. And I think it absolutely targets the poor. It targets the disenfranchised. It targets minorities. Um, it's it's hor it's horrific. You know, I mean, I I'm uh, from Missouri and um, about five miles from where I, uh, you know, live for like five years after graduating college was Ferguson, Missouri. And, and uh, you know, they've got uh, police jurisdictions where you've got a dozen officers for thousand residents and the ratio of officers to residents in uh, most other cities is like 10,000 to one or, you know, 15,000 or 25,000 to one. Right. And, and you're living in a, a jurisdiction that's got a thousand residents for every police officer and they have to justify their budget. So, uh, you know, they you know, criminalize every jaywalking incident and every busted taillight. And, and all it does is create this like you know, system of uh, indentured servitude to the government, you know, where yep. these guys, they can never get off the dole, right? They can never, you know, get out from under, you know, they get arrested. Uh, they can't afford, you know, any sort of representation. They get, you know, fined out of the system. They can't afford the fine. Next thing they know, they put some sort of, you know, penalty repayment plan on the fine. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, the police department is like rent center you know, where you make you know, 30 <laughs> easy payments to get rid of your jaywalking violation. It's just ridiculous, right? Uh, and this is... And I, disrupted. Th yeah, yeah, no, and I think that this, to me, sort of accentuates the, uh, the bipolarity of the system again, you know? Because you've either got to be, like, anti-drug, like conservatives being, like, you know, anti-drug, anti-all that stuff. Um, yeah. Which means, therefore, that you support the whole prison industrial complex, you support yeah. over-policing, and you support the whole nanny state and all that, and then yeah. you have the opposite side. And so you, what you end up is – what you end up with, I think, is this uh, this inability for free-thinking people to yeah. have a place on the spectrum. Yeah. You yeah. know? I mean, when, you, when yeah. you make something illegal historically, you know, during the uh, the prohibition when it was alcohol, yeah. what, what did you have? You had Al Capone. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you have these criminal. guys that come up. But yeah, the, the whole criminal yeah. um, world flourishes in in, ter in times of prohibition. And now you have the cartels and, and all that yeah. stuff. And it's savage, right? The, the, the brutality going on down there is just savage. I mean, we could we could we could drain the 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 hateful energy uh, out of that in, in a matter of, you know, 
months to years, right, through uh, legalization, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in, in a, you know, I'm not talking about like you know making everybody heroin junkies. There's, there's, I'm sure there's other ways that. that do you, you do know. you know how much heroin I do right now? Exactly as much as I want to. Exactly. You know what I right. mean? And exactly as much as I'm going to do if it's legal. And exactly. I, I drink exactly. as much alcohol as I want to, yeah. which is yeah. whenever yeah. I occasionally feel like it. You know what I mean? Right. right. And, yeah, because you're responsible for your personal choices, right? And and, uh, um, and 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 honestly, the you know the biggest pushers of, of, of heroin push it in a pill form and in, in forms of opioids that you know were over prescribing for pain management, right? And yeah. they're legal as shit. And they're legal as shit. Yeah, you know you they're know. legal as shit. That's that's the real dope pushers, right? Is is Merck and Pfizer and you know and all those guys that are. But these guys know, are okay. these guys are funding uh, the campaigns of pretty much everybody on both sides, right? Oh, they are, and, and you know who's the number one uh, uh, contributor to anti marijuana legaliz- legalization? Got to be the tobacco companies, I guess. It big farm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big yeah, farm. yeah. Of course. Yeah, big farm. because they. Uh, you know, they know that, um, you know, THC cannabis has these wonderful properties of, of pain management uh, that, um, you know, is not addictive. Right. So fuck that. They can't have that. Right. So let's get you on a, you know, a Percocet or, or, or you know, some other, you know, uh, painkiller that's highly addictive uh, and, and uh, creates a, a better revenue stream for, for the company. So. Yeah. The. Um... I'm a I'm a big advocate of psychedelics for uh you know de- depression and and yeah. uh, you know well pretty much anything just general well being in life, but yeah. they've done studies now at like Johns Hopkins and NYU and Baylor, and uh, they're finding numbers that you wouldn't believe. I mean numbers that just sound like utter bullshit if I were to tell you. So you got to go look them up. But like eighty percent cure rate for people suffering from long term depression after a single dose of psilocybin mushrooms. Wow, and these are numbers that just don't even make sense in the pharmaceutical world. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you're 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 hoping for, you know, a, 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 even when you watch these commercials of of the pharmaceuticals and stuff, they're like, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, and it you know it right. could have these ten thousand side effects. Your dick falls right. off. It's a bad deal. Yeah. And yeah. you know, people have been using psychedelics for thousands of years in shamanic cultures all around the world, and and right. you know, you, you have to eat, you know. You have to eat more than your body weight in, in mushrooms to uh, right. to right. really do any damage. But again, uh, yeah. they don't want they don't don't want healthy people. They want patients. I think right. I think yeah. that's that's been sort of you know a big a big part of my withdrawal from the from the political system over the last few years has just been this this awakening to the realization that whoever and this again goes back to my initial hope for the Trump you know regime was like. Yeah. Um, you know the big banks are are, are going to fund both candidates. The yeah. pharmaceutical companies are going to fund both candidates. Yeah. And uh, yeah. again, it's this wheel that just keeps on going and going. And so, yeah, uh, I was hoping that he would break the wheel, and I think he's breaking a lot more than the wheel. But yeah. again, no, I, I'd like to see a, a a whole policy system that was driven around a, a little less policing and a little yeah. less telling people what to do with with things. Yeah. Which makes it difficult whenever you get into something, for instance, like healthcare, right? Yeah. Which is probably something where you and I have some disparity between us. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, 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 I won't lie. I mean, it, it's tough. You know, it's tough to, to really pick your spot on the landscape when you're talking about healthcare because yeah. I, I want to help people. You know, I want to, yeah. I want to give, you know, and we, we, we do try to help in, in different ways. Um, 
but there are people that abuse the system too. Sure. You know, and uh, and and it's difficult. Um, difficult trusting this government or any government like it with my money and my charity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I sure. think I think sure. that's the difficulty for me. But again, that's the bipolarity that we're working with. Is you know, do we do we leave ever all the 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 poor and and infirm out in the streets to deal with themselves? Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't think that's the answer either. The education yeah. system is another is another issue. Yeah. You know? And I think yeah, that's it's the, it's the social safety net, right? It's like what what are, are the social contracts? So I write about this a lot too. Like, what do we define as a social contract? Uh, you know, what does it mean to be a citizen, right? Like, what do you get in exchange for being a citizen, right? Um, do you get some sort of basic uh, access to healthcare? Do you get some sort of basic access to education in order to prepare you for a productive life? You know, do you get some sort of access to retirement benefits uh, so that you can live out your golden years and some amount of peace and dignity? Do you get some sort of access to medical care in those golden years, right? That that's the whole you know concept of the of the big deal, right? And 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 the and the right, and this is really the Paul Ryan kind of wing of the right. I don't even think Trump really believes in this, but they've been trying to attack that New Deal since its inception, right? And and they've been trying to you know embed this sort of libertarianism in uh, in terms of completely deconstructing that social contract. And you know my opinion on it is is uh, against that right but but at the same time i understand the rights perspective that you know there is too much and too much coddling you know um tamps down the spirit that we have as human beings to be productive and to make a better life you really need to go um go look into some jordan peterson when we get done um, yeah. you'd like it because um, that's that's yeah. exactly it is you know it's the idea that yeah we need to help each other but uh you know, at a point you start, you start tamping down the spirit of people, you know, that entrepreneurial, that pioneering spirit that made America what it was, which is why Trump's um, make America great again uh, slogan was so effective, you know, because especially within his voter base, you know, my grandparents, you know, we, you know, these are people who, who saw a different spirit among the population than, than what we see yeah. today. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's kind of mind blowing to see <laughs> to see the depths yeah. to which we've fallen in a lot of ways. Yeah, not that those guys were perfect, but no, I uh, I what I want to do in the future with you is I want to I want to talk more about the social contract and okay. um, it's been a badass talk, but I do in the in the future I want to bring you back in when you're not trying to enjoy sure. yourself in Costa Rica because we. Yeah. You know, the social contract is something I'm really interested in because I, I, uh, I'm a history nerd in as much as you're a political nerd. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's my that's my obsession is looking, and particularly um, at the, the the anthropology and um, the the lifestyles of of different cultures throughout history. Yep. And that's led me, like we talked about earlier, to bring it full circle that that, that humans are, are creatures of imitation. You know, and like you traveling around the world gave you a lot of different perspectives to see different ways that things could be done. Um, And, you know, something if if I suggested a way of living to someone and they'd never seen that done, they think, well, that's crazy. It's foreign. That's alien to me. But if they lived in 10 different countries and they've seen it done that way, they go, well, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's something we could try. 
Right. And in, in my view, one of the biggest failures of the educational system and the most important, but probably the most overlooked and seemingly least important by most parents is the is, is, a, is a holistic study of history, because yeah. uh, especially of anthropology, because when we're talking about the social contract and, and um, you know, your rights and benefits as a citizen. Um, you know, all the things that you just listed off are things that in a tribal or a shamanic culture, even today, yeah. you don't have to worry about those things, right. you know, right. and this is yeah. where you have, if you have a holistic view, uh, as I try to have of, of society, um, I, I wouldn't trust that, uh, you know, that if, if something happened to me and, and, and everybody else in my family, that my kids would be well taken care of by the state. Right. You right, know, right. Uh, and and in shamanic cultures, you have these sort of you don't have the nuclear family with, you know, separated neighbors and everybody's going on about their business. You have an entirely different way of life as a culture and as a society. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when when I started my my podcast and my platform and called it shamanic philosophy, it was obviously <laughs> philosophy being let's ask big, big questions that matter to life, yeah. you know, the yeah. biggest questions we can. And then on the shamanic side, it was to, to, to have a holistic understanding of the spiritual and the, and the material and yeah. finding balance in between. And so when I see this political system and, and the whole culture built around it, people can ask me where I find myself politically, but it's funny. Yeah. I, I'm, I might be in one place politically today, but my yeah. hope is that as a culture, I could be further down the road later, you know, uh, yeah. in other words, today, I mean, essentially a, uh, a shamanic culture operates politically as a libertarian culture, right? You know, they have essentially no government, no, none of that stuff. But yeah. if I said I'm a libertarian today, then it's going to conjure up images that I want to leave the homeless, the sick and the infirm on right. the street, because right. we're, we're, we're not in a culture where we could sustain or support that, you know, if we went libertarian tomorrow, it wouldn't turn into a shamanic yeah. culture. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. it wouldn't be that kind of civilization. It'd be a lot of poor, stupid people on the street. Right. And so, right. I'd I'd love to, I'd love to have another another chat with you sometime and talk about sure. um, what what would be some changes that we could look at from a policy standpoint. You know, yeah. and and just do some theory crafting, some thought experiments, and just say, sure. hey, you know. Maybe get a little stone and just say, this was, you know, this is, man, wouldn't it be really cool if, like, you know, everybody got a free puppy on their 13th birthday or something? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, I'd love to do that, man. But I, it's been sure. it's been such a blast talking with you. It's been enlightening. Well, good, good. I'm glad. Likewise. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, to Spread talk Spread your propaganda. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, I uh, on that note, man, I'm going to send you off. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Costa Rica. Okay. Make sure you have right, at cool. least one to three Mai Tais for me while you're down there. Um, <laughs> I'll do that. Keep running that page. You're doing badass. I think you're doing, not that my opinion counts for much, but I, I do appreciate the, the balanced perspectives on things, and, yeah. uh, and, and I wish you the very best, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. See you. That's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for joining. I hope you uh, had as good of a time listening as I did talking with these, the liberal. And I look forward to having him back on. What a great guy. What a cool conversation to have. Uh, make sure you check us out on shamanicphilosophy.com. Make sure that you like and subscribe and share this video, either on YouTube or iTunes or SoundCloud, whatever it is that you're listening to it or watching it on. And appreciate you guys so much. Um, also, we've got a conscious lifestyle marketplace coming up soon online at wokeshop.com.
Get all your hippity-dippity pseudo-spiritual stuff on there. Clothing, jewelry, crystals, candles, essential oils, artwork, pretty much whatever you want. All the good stuff. Come check it out. That's it for today, guys. Thanks so much. May the light be upon you. May peace be within you. And may you be a sun on the paths of all men. God bless you guys. Have a great week.